welcome to Noisy Fulfillment, a Desperate Housewives rewatch podcast where we take you back in time episode by episode of ABC's Desperate Housewives. If you love what we're doing and would like to support us further than just as a listener, which we absolutely thank you for, you can really help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star review and subscribing to this podcast. That really helps people to find us because analytics equals search results. We'll also read it on the air, so if you love to hear stuff you've written on the air, here's your chance. Also, you can become a patron by contributing at any monetary level by going to anchor.fm slash noisy fulfillment. You can also buy us a virtual coffee by tipping us in our virtual tip jar at ko-fi.com slash noisy fulfillment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash noisy fulfillment where you can comment on stuff, react to stuff, and also message us. You can also email us at noisyfulfillment at gmail.com. We're back. Hey. Uh, Amanda, I've missed you. I've missed you too. It's been a minute. <laughs> a lot has happened. Uh, so much. So, so much. Crazy how life changes in, you know, a couple, couple weeks to a month. Or um, five minutes. <laughs> what I like about Desperate Housewives is that, no ma- is the consistency of, like, whatever mess is going on in my own life, when I turn it on, I can feel better. Much worse. Much worse yeah. than being on television. It's like, so have you committed have you committed any crimes today on was, a grand scale? A was, felony. Was your evening spent burying a body? No. And you're doing you're doing it right. Everything's fine. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, so today we are breaking down episode 1.9, Suspicious Minds, written by Jenna Bands and directed by Larry Shaw, which first aired December 12th, 2004. And Suspicious Minds is arguably one of Elvis Presley's best songs. So we were going to get there, right? The episode check-in, Suspicious Minds, made famous by Elvis Presley, my mother's liter- literal all-time favorite person of, of, of any time, and that it came out, when I was doing some research, it came out ahead of that um, by uh, Mark songwriter Mark James and was like a commercial failing until Elvis Presley like resuscitated it. And yes, I agree, one of, probably one of my favorite songs. Yeah, that's great. I like it. Oh, so do you want to hit us with a summary? Yeah, so we get some really great fashion in this episode. So our girl Gabby mm-hmm. decides she's going to be a little bit of a philanthropist for a minute and do a fashion show to benefit the hospital where Mrs. Solis is staying. And John's mom gets involved, which is very exciting. Um <laughs> All of the women in the neighborhood are involved in the fashion show, and there's some definite antics and drama that goes on there. We also have some Paul Young and Zach Young drama going on, and of course, um, you know, Susan's always involved with everything, so Susan's family's involved in that. And Tom and Lynette are in the market for a new nanny, because Lynette has had enough. And yeah, let's, let's get into it. Lots, lots and lots to unpack today. I agree. And I think starting with first words, right, uh, that Gabrielle was waiting on her next great idea, um, that her first great idea came when she was 15 and her stepfather made a late night visit to her bedroom. It's the, that I think this is the first time that we get this glimpse of the abuse that, that Gabby um, suffers as a child. And it's really glossed over here or... Very much so. 
it's and I don't know if that's the 2004 or that's my 2022 understanding of, of trauma but I can't imagine that in 2004 we didn't say yeah it's probably fucked up that your stepdad visited your room when you were 15. Yeah I was really like when I watched when I rewatched this you know a million yeah. years later I was expecting to get a little bit more about that because I don't believe that's some that's a topic where you do a dump and run in in mm-hmm. these times so um hopefully it wasn't as traumatic of a thing as like as in-depth trauma of a thing as we normally would think with that kind of setup maybe it was just that he tried to kiss her or something like that mm-hmm. but yeah. And we go, uh, we'll go further. I, I think you said that uh, the later seasons are going to be uh, first time viewing for you, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. So that'll be, and uh, so no spoiler really that we will explore that further, but just uh, the, you know, the glossing over here um, and that it sets up like the cinematography of it is her laying on her bed and her legs out yep. and that that becomes where she gets her great ideas moving forward. But I don't, I don't, just problematic how that begins. And then obviously she's in a relationship with uh, her teenage gardener later, but that that was her first great ideas that the next, the next day she uh, got on a bus and went to New York and became a model. Um, And then her next great idea was when she seduced a photographer so that her modeling career would advance, or at least that's what she thought. And it did advance. So half dozen one six of the other um then the idea to marry carlos and then the idea to have an affair with john so i thought about this like you usually really love the beginning because it's usually the swirly flashback with three but this was four this was four great ideas was that weird for you Ooh, i didn't i didn't recognize that it was four Hmm. that's bad bad on me it's not i don't have a note here no it's good on you because it means it didn't bother you Hmm. You were um, I like that for you. Well, well, I love that journey for you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I knew that was coming. Um, so so Gabby's thinking about her life, and uh, she says that she, you know, something's missing. And, and I, I've understood that in my own life, that seeking and, and, you know, that, ooh, you know, I'm looking for something. And, and that's why, why I thought I, she was going to say something about a baby. Like, I was like, oh, here, ooh. Gabby's going to have a baby now. Yep. But, then, but no, it was not that. Well, and I mean, to, to be fair, I think some people do fill space with lots of things, and one of them is a major life decision. Um, I like to say that I'm always worried I'm going to rage quit. Oh, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I had a bad day this morning. I, I didn't get my smoothie. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to move to Arizona. Yeah. I'm exactly. just going to move. Exactly. Um, so as Gabby and the nurse are talking, um, in, in Juanita Solis's hospital room, uh, I mean, again, it's just kind of in the background that they're at the hospital, Juanita Solis still in In a coma. coma. Uh, the nurse says that she sleeps like a baby when she gets home. She doesn't really think about this because she knows she's done something good in her life. And this is where I was like, Gabby's going to go to nursing school. She's going to be a nurse. Look at this. Um, and she is. For her as she's like having this experience. She's inspired by this nurse um, uh, intimating a man, telling him, you're not dying on me. You're, you know, I need you to be brave. And Gabby is able to change that into something else. Is that, oh, I'm going to have a fashion show and raise money for understaffed nurses at Sacred Heart. Which is, I'm glad she's staying on brand. Yeah. Yeah. And again, 
Um, I go with my talents, right? Writer, good writers write about what they know. Good podcasters podcast about stuff they know about. We know about Desperate Housewives. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's fine. And I like it again, I think that there really is an art to to fashion. There is an art to getting people to believe that this dress is going to work for you and that Gabby has the talent to make you feel that about yourself. So that's you're true. good for her. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, in the, the fashion show, we're, we're at the fashion yeah. show prep now. Yeah, and in the background, um, I I love that Carlos walking through all these women in his house. Uh, that's you tell that son of a bitch Tanaka. Remember Tanaka, the ass grabber. Everybody, the ass grabber, that's right. we're not we're not letting him get, we're not letting him get away with that. Um, that if he doesn't call me back, I'm gonna go down to the office and kick his ass. Hangs up the phone, ladies, as you were. So let me let me just say that I'm bothered by this because he's more mad about a bit Carlos is more mad at Tanaka about a business thing than he was about Tanaka sexually assaulting his wife like that's definitely yeah just wanted to put that out there not okay I, again it, it felt transactional because at the time that he said that I made over two hundred thousand dollars with him if he wants to grab your ass you let him yeah and his and I think his character evolves later on about this, but part of part of Carlos is that he refuses to share Gabby with anybody. Mm-hmm. So part of me is like, do you, would you even care if you knew your wife was having yeah. sex with a gardener who was underage? And this is rape, not sex. Right. Um. Right. But but yeah, agree. A, a level of territorialism that I would think he would ex- that we would explore more. But yeah, it was a pilot. What can you do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've got all the women getting their, picking out their dresses or looking at the dresses that were chosen for them. And of course, Edie, we can never not villainize her. And we see her trying to take Susan's name off of the dress she was assigned because... It had to be Susan's. It had to be Susan's. And, but I like that Susan was like, no, give me that. She showed up just in the nick of time. So that was great. And I'm worried that I would have been like, it's fine, I'll wear whatever, mm-hmm. um, because I don't want to have a conflict with somebody, or that I don't think it's important enough to to take up space. Um, so I, you're right, I am delighted that Susan takes up space and like, oh, it's my dress. Yep, good for her, good for her. Um, however, Edie, still looking for the dress, uh, someone suggests Martha Huber's dress, and she never showed up. Because she's dead. <laughs> yes, oh, and she's visiting her sister. And, and even we, in, go ahead. Even in the sorry, even in the recap, um, you know, you have Brenda Strong or Mary Alice's voice saying somebody got exactly what she deserved. <laughs> like we're not, we're not um, vigilantes. Uh, we're not vigilantes. I suppose. Okay, that there, there is that. But like, it, it doesn't. It seems like you're not letting the audience make up their own mind about whether or not Martha Hooper deserved to die. You'll just tell them. Like yeah. we're gonna hit you over the head with it. Right, right. Speaking of hitting people over the head. So, of course, they um, cut to Paul Young covering her body in a shallow grave. What could go wrong with that? With the blender! Yes. But, I mean, honestly, have we are, have we not learned our lesson about, like, when you have items like a measuring cup or a blender, they will resurface? So, like, I, I feel like it was the right decision to bury her with the blender. Okay, but I feel like you're burying the lock with the key. Yeah, but if the lock is the one that would lock you up in prison, like, you... <laughs> okay, I see this blender being crushed down into a bite size, and then I melt it with acid, and then I take the acid, and I freeze it, and I send it to uh, Antarctica. Oh, wow. I like that you thought this out. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's also how I make sure I don't use my credit card. <laughs> right. 
Oh, there's an extra bit about me. Um, over at Susan's house, uh, Julie gets a letter from Zach and won't open it in front of Susan. Susan's like, you know, if we might, we might know more about Dana. And she's and and uh, um, Susan finds out that this isn't the first letter that Susan that uh, Julie has gotten. Um, she says she's not mad, but she's surprised. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, for a teenage girl to not tell their mom everything. I know that they have, like, a non-traditional relationship, um, to say the least. But, like, I don't know. I don't believe that that is a surprising thing. I think, and I don't either. Yeah. So, that's all I have to say about that. Um, over at Lynette's house, uh, having, you know, decided that taking her kids ADD, ADD, ADD medication was not a long-term solution, um, Tom is finally home and taking the baby, taking the boys, and on his way out says, you know what, I'm taking all the kids, enjoy the vacation, and oh. I'm so glad Lynette shows up for herself here. Oh, yeah, have a nice vacation while you're doing all this stuff around the house during your time off. Like, no. doing laundry, making dinner, paying the bills. And he's like, you know what? Never mind. You take a bath. I will pick up dinner. And then what? Yeah. He says, I'll be here all week. And then what? Exactly. Exactly. So then we go back to normal, which is ending with Lynette, you know, lit, like sitting against a tree, sobbing, holding an empty bottle of pills. So normal is not good, which Lynette identifies and says, we need a full-time nanny. And, you know, th- there is a discussion. Nannies are expensive. Yeah. I, um, I, I, my, my, I, I have been having this conversation with multiple people about what is the difference between a babysitter and nanny and a an no pair. I think for me, I read it in Tina Fey's book, uh, babysitter works better uh, because I have class anxiety and, <laughs> and was not raised with people all around me. But um, we did, we tried, um, daycare and I got, and my daughter just got sick all the time and I used 10 sick days in one month and I was a teacher in the classroom oh at the time. So I didn't even, I, I felt, and that was September. So I, I felt like I never, ever got that class back after, you know, being gone for 10 days in September. So we hired a nanny and it was an expense. Um, one time I was writing out the check to our nanny that week and my husband said, wow, that seems like a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, one of us didn't make that this week. Oof. So it cost me to it cost one of us to go to work. So here's my question regarding Lynette wanting to get a nanny. Like you were working. So mm-hmm. um you weren't able like you weren't at home just not just being a housewife. Like that's not that is not how I intended that to come out. But you were nope, not at I home. I don't hear that. You, you were not at home taking care of your home as your job, you were at your job. So like Lynette isn't working. So what, like, what would the nanny do at their house? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And what are, what are you doing? Atrocious behavior? Like while Lynette's paying bills and making dinner and cleaning? Like I just, I agree. She needs some, I definitely agree. She needs some help. I just like, I've never, unless you're like exorbitantly wealthy, I've Mm -hmm. never known somebody who's home with their kids needing a nanny no no I that's not my reality it's not it's not my world either now I didn't have four kids I had one um I also but I I did outsource other things like I did outsource uh meals like we did meal we had somebody prepping meals for me at one point well again while I was while I was out of the house working um and you were not going to invite you like people who are not teachers don't realize like what that takes from you, your soul, your energy, everything. 
and it would be weird to have somebody else in my home while I was home, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, yeah. So I don't, again, if I was upstairs podcasting with you in a room by myself, you know, that, that makes sense. Um, but again, not shaming, but I do wonder what it would look like. And so I'm, I'm glad that we'll explore that further, but, um, Lynette and Tom do decide that they'll have to figure out how to make this work. And I'm glad that Tom showed up for her in that moment too. Yeah. Because who knows where that would have gone if he didn't, based on the way the last episode ended. No kidding. And what that does for their relationship. And can you continue to have this relationship and us all living together? Or do we need to do something different? And and so if the goal is that the family works more efficiently, mm-hmm. I'm all for anything that does that, including hiring somebody to clean, hiring somebody to prep meals, hiring somebody, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm all for something that makes things work better. I don't know what it looks like to right. have somebody in my house doing those things for me. Like Gabby, when, you know, yeah. the same thing. I don't know what it is to have somebody in my house cleaning while I'm there. Yes. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That one's interesting. It's, so we have a cleaning lady. Um, when we bought mm-hmm. our house, that was part of the agreement. If we're going to buy this big of a house, mm-hmm. like, and I'm teaching, I can't, I can't do it all. Um, and it's, it's super weird. Like right now yeah. I'm up in my office and our cleaning ladies at our house and it, it makes me feel like I shouldn't be here. Me too. Yeah. I go hide in the basement and then tell them, but you don't have to clean the basement because I'll be hiding down there. Or I'll go, or I'll go run errands. Usually that only happened in the summer because I was home and I was only home in the summer. They came when I was at work uh, otherwise, but. Yes. um, And then like, I don't like, I'll wait um, around the corner from our house until I know that she's done just because I don't like, I don't want to mess up her flow. I don't want to be in her way while she's doing her stuff, you know? Same, and I don't want to make anybody feel like they have to uh, tiptoe around me or anything like that. Like, I tell them, here's the Wi-Fi password. You can listen to music. You can do whatever you want while you're here. Um, But All right, so we go over to Bree and Rex and Andrew, who I, I don't understand his lack of awareness of just exactly what he's done. Yeah. Bree clearly is struggling with that also. And Rex is not. Not at all. And it, it, so it's interesting that they talk about the punishments that they've had for this vehicular, not yet manslaughter. Um, she's in a coma, so it's a hit and run right now. But who knows what it could be, right? At their, at the swim meet, um, they're talking about what kind of punishment. So no TV, you're grounded. Um, Bree thinks that he should have to quit the swim team, but um, Rex says that then he won't get a scholarship. I have a hard time believing that Rex and Bree can't pay for him to go to a college, but maybe that means he won't be able to swim at the collegiate level. Well, but also, based on what I know about collegiate athletics, um, Andrew doesn't seem to be so committed to his sport that he would be a kid that would go. Like, when you're, okay, so he's at least 16 because he had a car Mm -hmm. that he used to hit a person. He's out in bars and smoking pot out his window. And, like, I again, like, it's a plot hole. It's in the writing. But, like, nothing that we've learned about this kid so far would suggest that he's so committed to this sport that he would be getting recruited. And that's mm-hmm. like that's just me knowing, you know, more than I should about recruitment for collegiate athletics, I guess. No, that's you informing our read or our our, our uh, yeah, our consumption of this text right. with this is what it looks like in the real world. Like a kid um, who's getting recruited like typically for their sport, that's their entire life, you know. Well, well, and you know, I think with cheer and with dance, it was 
a big deal if you got in trouble. Yeah. I don't remember being out of out of school being in trouble, but like if you got in trouble in school oh. for something, um, you, 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 you got suspended. Yeah, I think you got one. You might like ours was on a point system, but I think any suspension, yeah, was automatically off. Right. Right. So I don't know with drugs or, you know, if he got caught, you know, smoking pot later or something, you yeah. know, I don't know. I don't know either. Um, I know, like, I know in high school athletics, it's typically like a zero tolerance. Like, if you get caught, well, it was. I mean, I think that sure. stuff happens more often now than it did before. But when I coached, like, you would lose your season. If you got busted for substances, you, you're you done mm. for the season. Like, for a, I want to say it was like a year, like a calendar year. Yeah. So... Mm. Um, Rex gets, you know, again, Rex is problematic and Rex is a tool toolbox is getting awfully heavy, but, um, when he said, I thought he had a good zinger, um, about he hung out in your womb for a few months back in the eighties. Um, and like, I thought it was a good zinger. I thought it was well-written, um, with Bree saying, you know, he was, you know, I bore him. He lived inside me. I don't, I don't put a lot into that. Yeah. I had my kid inside me too. I don't think that means her dad loves her less than I do or has a different connection with her or whatever. You know, I just, I don't base my relationships on my biology. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I don't, not having kids, like I can't so much speak to that, but, um, I don't think that that uh, should allow him to like dump it all on Brie. Which no, he, no. Like, he really seems to like to do that. And she, when she wants him, wants him to feel what she feels. And it, it's not that that's an acting of empathy, right? That's, a, that's something that we all should try to do is to understand how the other person feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, I mean, if she's upset that Andrew doesn't seem to feel or internalize the weight of what he's done, it's not hard to see that other people in Bree's sphere also don't internalize things. Like yeah. she internalizes everything, Every which makes it hard. Yeah, agree. Oh goodness. Okay, um, so, but uh, oh. I. Oh, go ahead. I, sorry, I just I also love the guy in the back that said, "Hey, that kid that you both love so much, he just won the race and you didn't see it." Because <laughs> they're too busy. Like, like the focus was not on this. Yeah, they're too busy working out their stuff. You know. Um, so then we go to the fashion show, and of course, John shows up, which is super weird. So Gabby's got him alphabetizing cards and wants to talk to him about his relationship and then takes off her high heel, because of course she's wearing high heels, and decides to... Like you do. Yeah, like you do when you're just walking around <laughs> on a Tuesday when you're working volunteer shift at your house. But of course, she decides to get him off with her foot under the table while his mom is like 20 feet away maybe that has to be it for her is that this gross and predatory behavior happening in public it's got to be a thing because people who don't want to get caught don't go to such lengths to get caught right 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 so that's the thing at at soccer practice or going to his house yeah that's the thing about this, and I get it, it's a, it's a show, but I, I, the the lengths at which she seems to go to to want to get caught, I think that's the void she's trying to feel, and actually um, my therapist and I uh, worked through the worked through something, it's called the call to the void. It is not necessarily about self-harm, so if, you, uh, if you're driving on a bridge, for instance, and you look out into the distance, and you're like, what would it be like to just 
go like veer my car and go over that or when you're peering over something like that happens with heights a lot it's not that you're going to self-harm but the call to the void is I want to feel something right and we've already like we already established with Gabby that she misses the spark with Carlos and wants him to take her breath Mm. away like she she's looking to have her breath taken away well, she's Real taking secret. away the breath. She's taking away the breath of somebody else, and that's Susan who who sees oh. this. Yeah, of course. And of course, it's going to be Susan. That sure. Sees it. Of course, it is. Um, but I love that she confronted her. Like, I I feel like more and more as I rewatch this and really think about it, I love Susan. Like she mm. she has and Susan such- gets a lot of hate, so she's gonna like that. She does, but she, like, in this situation, she has such a correct moral compass mm-hmm. because how many people would just be like, I don't want to see it. Like, it's not my problem. I'm not, I'm not going to engage with this. Like, she knows that this is so wrong. And maybe it's because of her own personal experience with infidelity, but like, she's, she's ready to like fight Gabby on this. And I just really love that. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, in this in this exchange, you know, Susan comes to Gabby's house, and Gabby says, hey, you want to help me with this? And she's like, sure, you want to tell me why you had your foot in John Rowland's crotch? Yeah. Ooh, I was doing that. It, it was just such a, tra- it's so transparent, trying to work through it. And, and Susan, yeah, she does say, yeah, this is about me and everybody else who's ever been um, cheated on by somebody they loved. But I also think it speaks to the relationship she feels that she and Gabby have, that we can confront this. Mm-hmm. This I know you two want X, Y, and Z. And when you do this, you jeopardize all of that. Um, she did say something about this would kill Gab or Susan did say something to Gabby about this would kill Carlos. And I just would like to point out that I disagree that it would kill Carlos. I believe that it would cause Carlos to kill John. I think that's fair. Yeah. Like I think that's fair. That's when she's saying this would kill Carlos, I think that when somebody says it like that, like to me it makes me think that they they're saying the person would be really sad and I think that because Carlos sees Gabby as his possession, he would mm. skip sad and go to anger first. So, I just I don't, like, I don't know that that's even necessarily an important thing to say, but that's what I... That's no, the I think, I, I think, yeah, I think so. And I think it kind of speaks to that, the, the, that what Gabby says, he, you know, Susan says, you have a husband that adores you. And he says, and Gabby says, no, he adores having me. That she acknowledges the transactional relationship that she's in as well. Right. Um, and that this is a response to that. So, no, I think that what you said speaks to that is that this is mine. Right. And that that's that will force you to anger even before you let yourself feel the feelings of this person that I love really did betray me right right and then I think you know I think Gabby just we see how shallow and lacking of empathy she is because Mm. she's like this isn't about you but if you're somebody who's my best friend and you have seen me go through this horrible breakup where my husband cheated on me and you don't realize how big of a thing that is for you to say like this is it's harmless. It's not about you. I, I just don't understand that. Like, I don't understand how disrespectful of a friendship somebody could be when it's clear in this show that this friendship is the central thing holding everything together. Like it just, it just, to me, it was, and I've been thinking a lot about this in my own life, like what people do to show that people are important to them in their relationships. And it just like scratched the inside of my soul, the way that Gabby trivialized this to Susan, whose whole entire life had been basically demolished by somebody cheating on her. 
I didn't love the, it. It wasn't it wasn't it for me. I'm I'm there for it. I hear that. Um juxtapose that with some kind of a light kind of tongue-in-cheek uh scene where Lynette uh talks where Lynette's getting the baby in the the backseat yeah. and she's going to bring Brie into another one of her schemes yeah of course um so Lynette's having trouble finding a nanny she says that she interviewed a ton and they're all incompetent yeah. and Brie asks and she asks Brie to tell her who her friends are that have nannies because she's planning to poach one she's ruthless Yes, she is. I mean, we know that as, you know, in her corporate life, she was ruthless. Um, mm-hmm. But she is she is playing for keeps. She is not messing around. Now, what's hard about that is I get what she's saying is, if I make a better offer, why shouldn't a qualified candidate reap the benefits? There are children attached yes. to that nanny that are going to be, their whole life is going to be uprooted. And oh, my goodness. Not that you shouldn't be able to take a job somewhere else. I get it. It's just, it's not like you're, you're, you know, caribou coffee poaching a barista from Starbucks. Correct. Yeah, I get it. Um, it's emotional labor. That is literally the, the umbrella term for all of the, the, the caring jobs, right? Yeah. Babysitting, nannying, you know, yeah. all of these are, yeah. these are emotional labor intensive jobs and there are relationships attached to them. So Brie seems to be uh, not only aware of, I feel like she's aware of that, but she is also aware of her, her own social standing and great. I'm not going to have any friends left. We right. already used my last favor to get your kids into uh, private school that now they don't care. Now you don't care if my grandchildren ever get to go there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cutthroat. Uh, is cutthroat. Yes. Oh. Um, very driven. Oh, give her, give her that. Oh, yeah, um, love. It looks like John and Danielle broke up. Um, broke up. And now he knows that Susan knows. He knows that she knows. Yikes. That's. And we need to cool it because Susan knows. Not because it's wrong. Not because yeah. it's rape. Yeah. Um, not but because Susan knows, well, now that's obviously going to fuel John, and we'll have to see where that goes. Yep. Yep. Um, at Bree's house, Andrew's smoking pot, and okay. his door is back. His door is back. That was my thought, too. Like, when did he get his door back? Because he's not okay. been a model citizen at all, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bree's asked if he's been reflecting, and I just, I, you know, it, it's just, I love it. It's, I totally get how my actions have, like, affected everything else. I mean, like, when I do what I did, then you had to do what you did, and, you know, he's, everything yeah. just balances out. It was some good stoner talk. Like, they did a nice job with some stoner logic right there. Yeah. I would love to know um, from that actor's point of view where he drew upon that experience. Because in uh, the, like, Pam uh, from The Office, uh, uh, BJ Novak took her out for four, uh, four Cosmopolitan so that she he could understand what it, she looks like drunk and then direct her a little bit better. Oh, so I'd be interested. I'd be I interested to know about this. I love that. Um, oh. But Brie, okay, so Brie seems to get it. She's like, are you high? And she's already made that comment at dinner once, but like, she's like, you're strung out. Like she totally gets it. Yes. Um, I don't know if, like my mom knew that I was drunk once, but it shouldn't have been too much of a shock. I was pretty sick. Yeah. Um, so, but I don't know if I believe, I don't know, if I should believe that Brie has been around enough people who were stoned to know it. She did sniff the air a little bit, though, and he was smoking it okay. in his room, so I don't know. I I think that she had some other context clues to go off of besides just how he was talking. I love that she goes to her very organized Tupperware. No. Door. 
and brings him something to pee in. I just love that. How do you choose the right container for that? Oh, that's a good question. It's good for me. It's a container I'm never going to use. I'm throwing this out after we're done. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So sorry, sorry, black. Fifteen years left of landfill space in Illinois, but yeah, if you're going to put a sample in it, it's not going to hold chicken soup later. Oh my god! (laughs) That you then bring to a wake. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh gosh, this is why I don't bring food that I make from my house. (laughs) Neither are that. Um, uh, Meanwhile, uh, Paul's trying to clean the blood out of his clothes um, when Dr. Sicker arrives to his home to tell him that Zach is missing from Silvercrest. Yeah, um, I, do they, would they normally show up at your house to tell you? Like, you'd think a phone call should have been the first thing. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, I wouldn't expect. I wouldn't expect they would show up at the house, but of course, if he's washing the blood out of his clothes, they need him to show up. They need Dr. What's his name? Dr. Sicker? Sick, Sicker? Yeah. They need him to show up because just a phone call wouldn't be as dramatic, so I get it. Should, should we pause on that? The doctor's name is Dr. Sicker? I like it. I like it. It's good. <laughs> good writing. Like we were really, we were thinking about that. They did, uh, they, they spelled it differently, S-I-C-H-E-R, but it's Sicker. Yeah. The doctor makes you Sicker. Anyway. Get on my woo-woo stick about that, I suppose. But um, So John is playing basketball, talking about the mysterious married lady that he was having, that he was having a relationship with. Uh, he and his friend are, are playing basketball, talking about that. Um, and his mom overhears. Of course she does. Of course yeah. she does. And away we go. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get juicy with his mom overhearing, which it should, but I'm surprised that she didn't blast off into orbit about it right then like mm-hmm. she kind of like snuck away with that nugget so I don't know and I suppose I suppose one if you don't if the person doesn't know you can collect more intel true 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 um but maybe she didn't want to embarrass him in front of um in front of his friend maybe it I you know I she was in shock yeah, definitely. Maybe it's, I need to talk to your father about this first. I'm not, yeah, the dynamics of that would all, I think th- those are all interplaying. But, I mean, she certainly looks, angry. like, stricken. Yeah, yeah, angry and, like, this, like, you just know it's not going to, it's not going to be a graceful landing from that. Right. Um, back to Paul Young and Dr. Sicker, you know, Dr. Sicker says, to his credit, um, you insisted we medicate him without psychotherapy. It's a recipe for disaster. How is that legal at an inpatient treatment facility? Like, basically, Paul Young has his kid there just to keep him in a medically induced pseudocoma. But, yeah. like, don't, don't, get, don't get him better. Don't help him process this and, and come through this to the other side. He's just, like, basically boarding him. And we, I mean, there's a lot going on there, right? We can't process this and move forward if we're not going to be honest about it. We are going to, there's too much, there's so many layers of deception there that we can't even get there. And I think I've learned that in therapy is that one of my strengths is that I'm pretty honest about, you know, how bad things are and then you can work through them. But if you can't even acknowledge it to yourself and obviously there's, there's still mystery surrounding his, so many things. Everything. And now, hey, I'm cleaning the blood off. Can you come back later? Um, <laughs> um, there's just so much. So yeah, you're yes, you're medically induced quasi coma. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was well, well put, Amanda. Um, 
but it does seem that Dr. Sicker acknowledges this isn't a good practice, then why are you as a practitioner doing it? Right. Yeah, like you almost wonder is this like a is this a shady is this a shady place rather than like a legit place? I mean, and so, somebody Judy has to be there to advocate. Of, what's that? Somebody has to be there to advocate for Zach. Right. Right. We do know though that Julie uh, was able to sneak in there pretty easily. So it's not the top-notch facility that I would hope that if my child needed some inpatient treatment, it, I don't know, it's it's not seeming like the, the best place for your kid, I guess. Absolutely. And he was able to leave during a shift change, yeah. apparently. So, yeah. Lots, lots yeah. there. Lots going wrong there. So, of course, he's, of all the places that he would hide, of course he's in Susan Meyer's house because why wouldn't he be? And Julie, and Julie is is helping him, which to me, like, that's a very Susan thing to do. Yes. So, apple tree. Uh, yes. And um, also a kind of um, indicative of Julie's role in her mother's divorce. Like, she is the caretaker. Yeah. She's the one that everything's going to be okay. Right. You can stay here. I'll get you some food. Mm-hmm. We'll just, well, we're going to put all this back together. Yep. And it just, for me, it just feels like so much, like, oh, Julie, we need to get you therapy because we also have to work through that you're having care trauma, you're having caregiver drama. Right. Oh. Yes. yes. Dealing with everybody else's shit. Everybody else's shit all the time. I get it. Um, so I, I, again, love this. Uh, Lynette is at the park looking to poach a nanny, and I really like the way it's, like, framed as going to a singles bar. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. She's scanning and looking at all these, all these different nannies and then finds this girl, and is this seat taken? Like, so classic oh singles bar. That was a good way to think about that. Also, it, you know, um, Claire, played by Mara Sokolov. Um, hey, I'm Lynette. I'm Claire. Oh, always love that name. It was very reminiscent of Pretty Woman for me. Like, what do you want my name to be? Oh, <laughs> nice. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, Lynette, you know, come here often. All yeah. of the, all of the tropes, right? All of the lines. All the cliche. Oh, oh gosh. Um, but she saw, you know, Lynette kind of saw what my, my single friends tell me all the time. It's like, wow, the, the dating pool out here, it's pretty shallow. Yeah, it's rough. And so the nanny pool is equally shallow. And I would totally agree. Like, when you find a good nanny, you're right. Treat them like gold and pay them correctly because you don't know what your life is like without them. Right, right. And you don't oh. want to find out. Um, over the golf course. Yeah, Bree just, like, hitches a ride on a golf cart with her jug of urine. I can't imagine, I can't imagine showing up during my husband's golf round with a jug. I can't imagine just, like, rolling up anyway like that. Yes. But also carrying a jug of pee and being like, you deal with this. Like, that, Yeah. I get it for Bree. Like, she's so beside herself, she doesn't know what to do, but, ooh. And also, I, it's weird to me that he, she thinks she's going to get his support on this. Yeah. yeah. Have you learned nothing, Brie? Like, he's not, you're not on the same team here. I know why she has to have the container of pee with her. It makes sense soon. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. I wouldn't have brought the pee with me. I would have taken it to wherever I was going to go get the pee tested and just dealt with it myself. But you know what? That's just, how do you Brie wants Rex to be on this team. Like, where do you, like, how do you, I mean, I think in this day and age, it'd be super easy to find a place to get your kids pee tested. But like (laughs) back then, 
it doesn't seem like that'd be a super easy, but then it's free, so, you know. I do believe you can get those kits at, like, Walgreens and dip the, like, the, and dip the thing in it and oh, all like this dip. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I believe you can get the kits yourself. Um, I don't, I, it would be weird to go to lab test now and, like, hand over your kid's pee. I don't right. know. Um, they have to give my name and stuff. I don't know. I'm not interested. Um, but Rex, of course, and Rex is not, you know, Rex is not supportive. He says, whatever the result is, I'm not letting you take him off the swim team. I'll tell the coach to ignore you. First of all, good luck ignoring Bree. I just, I don't foresee that. Um, but Rex, the, the, the the frustration is from him is you've been pushing me around all these years and now he just like gets joy out of pissing her off yeah, um which is a great Solid. which is a great great segue into <laughs> Bree <sighs> opening up the jug of urine and just you know throwing it on him and I really like the line there is that you know he's like what are you doing he said exactly what you just did to every memory I have of our marriage so you're she just pissed all over him <laughs> his line if you were my mom I'd smoke pot too like nice <sighs> she's already like we've already gone through with her when he moved out and the kids basically were like well you know, Andrew doesn't want to live with her, and Danielle's like, well, as long as I get my own bathroom, I don't really care. Like, I don't know how much more being shit on I can watch for this woman from her family. Correct. Like, basically, she's being told every day she's the worst mom ever. Which, to her, seems to be, like, her most important job is, like, her house. Yeah. Like, her house running smoothly is so important to her. And I understand, like, as a person who micromanages just out of my own anxiety, like, I know how frustrating that is for people around them. But, like, she does not deserve to be treated like this. That is no. Crazy. And I, I and as, problemat as problematic as multiple things that Brie thinks and does, mm -hmm. um, I never feel it's from a place of malevolence. No. That it's never, you know, like... She truly wants her, yeah, does she want this picture to look right and that, you know, like, that we're all perfect and that's problematic, but she really wants your cl your clothes to be clean so that you have a good, that you have a good day. Yeah. She really wants you to, she really wants to be the one to pack your suitcase so that you don't forget anything right. and you can go swimming. I packed your swim trunks because I know that relaxes you. It, it really is always coming from a good place and I really believe that on her final, in her final judgment, she will be able to say, I did the best I could even if I did the wrong thing. Right, or too much of things. But I think the the other side of that is I can see what I did hurt you, mm -hmm. and I'm sorry. You those can exist simultaneously, and you know we just haven't. I don't think we've gotten to enough depth. But I agree with you. Seeing Brie pissed on all the time rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I don't like that for her. So, oh. and I'm sure my friend I would say the same thing <laughs> to her to her bratty children and her asshole husband. Yes. So don't invite me to your house if right, your ever. kids are assholes and your husband's an asshole. Your husband's the um, real worst human. Although, I don't know, Tom Scavo's pretty rough for different reasons. But, you know, I just wouldn't have any friends left. I would have told all their husbands, like, that they're dump. making their lives or our lives miserable. And then I go back to the park where Claire is. Um, and she's, you know, talking shit about her boss, but it does sound awful. It does. And when her boss is, like, stomping over through the park in her high heels, it looks awful, too. Like, yeah, I get it. So get it. they make up a, they, they make a clandestine appointment to meet up again. 
Love it. Yes, uh, and you know, uh, Alexis is crazy jealous. It is like it is like you're trying to make a date with somebody yes. who already has a significant other, and she's crazy jealous. Well, no kidding. Like this would be like. Oh. So again, I just I continue I continue to enjoy um, likening this to a singles bar. Yes, yes, for sure. Oh. Lynette is working um, so hard to try to make this happen, though. Like, God love it. You know. I have to say of the things that what you won't do, you will, they say what you won't do, you'll do for love. What you won't do, you'll do for your children and sometimes really problematic things. Yes. But also I think she's doing this more for her own sanity, which after, after the mental breakdown we saw, I get it. She needs this. She needs it. It's desperation at its core, right? right. It's the things that we will do when we're that desperate. Um, Speaking of desperate... Yes. At Susan's house. Yeah, no kidding. Um, she's working outside and John approaches her and he says, you know, it's exactly the opposite of yeah. what Gabby was saying. It's so interesting um, that, you know, with Gabby, it was, it doesn't mean anything. It's meaningless. Where John says, this isn't just sex. We have a future Love. together. Love, yeah. And we find out he's 17, which uh, that answers a lot of questions for us. Um, not in a way that makes me feel better about things. And... I would have, if it were, I'm, I'm, if I were directing this, I would have wanted to see a little bit differently Susan having some level of epiphany that, oh, you just don't get it. Yeah. That, that he thinks that, you think that she's going to leave Carlos for you. Yes. And how, how tender that could have been. Right, right. Well, of course, his mom sees the conversation. Oh, Yes. So now we think Susan. And of course we think it's Susan. Why wouldn't we think it's Susan? Makes perfect sense that, yeah, she's um, uh, across the street or in her car and can see the exchange. And now, you know, it's it makes perfect sense, this woman. Now, the only thing that would be different is it does sound like from the when they're on the basketball court, John said, when her husband finds out, I'm going to be dead or whatever. And Susan's not married. That's the only part that I think... She should have had a little bit of um, skeptic skepticism about, but at the same time, you're just worried about your child. You're not really being rational. Right. Yes. Okay. So at the fashion show, of course, Carlos can't do it. So Tom, who's, you know, on his week break to be home <laughs> to help by doing his actual job as a father. Um, so he's the MC, And, and he was great. He I was gotta great. Say. He was great. Sucks. And, and Edie shows up. I like that he could get his hands on formal wear that quickly that fit him. Like, no kidding. Like a glove. Because <laughs> um, he doesn't seem like he's the same build as Carlos, but, you know, maybe they just keep these things in their closets for whenever. Um, so Edie shows up and has completely Project runway her um, mother of the bride dress into nightclub wear. Good for her. Absolutely. It, it looked smoking hot on her, so good on her. Absolutely did. And what a talent. I mean, yeah. that, that is a talent. I couldn't do that. No. No, for sure not. <laughs> Speaking of talents, I was really, I meant to say something um, at the beginning of our conversation about that first scene. Gabby pulling out stuff like she was a seamstress. That is not something mm. that I would have expected her to be, to have as a splinter skill. But she was going to make some adjustments on people's dresses. So. I, I agree, and I wish I would have talked about that, too. She looked incredibly Confident. masterful. Yeah, like yeah. She, was, she knew what to do. So, okay, so back to the back to Edie doing the same thing. Maybe Edie had her do that for her. 
So Helen never showed up, so Susan's going to go last. Mm. Susan looks just gorgeous in her dress. I said ethereal. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. Like an angel. Oh, which is hilarious, right? So I I felt it was very um, pulling on um, the imagery of saintism or angelic and all of this. And uh, yes, Helen, um, who is John Rowland's mom, was supposed to go last, but she never shows up. Until she um, so the so the ladies say, Susan, you have to go last. Nobody's going to be able to 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 follow you. Yes. And then um, when Helen mom shows does up, arrives, what's yes, up? yes, mom shows yeah, up. Yeah, when Helen does arrive, fashion show going on in the front, party party in the back, and business in the front. <laughs> and by party, I mean like a bar fight. <laughs> And I love that it's um, Susan, you know, saying, hey, you know, it, uh, it's, um, oh, what, let's see. Yeah, Helen attacking her and ripping her dress to shreds. And it, the, Susan thinks this is, this is all because I'm going to go, I'm taking your place as going yes. last. I'm so sorry. You know, I, it wasn't my decision. She has no idea what the source of the rage is at this point. Not even a little bit. Um, and so what would have been such a great moment for Susan in this ethereal gown, she barely can take the least of teetering steps to keep everything covered. Did you see her shoes too? Like the front of her shoe was like completely inverted. Oh. Yes. Kick them off and go barefoot. That's, that would have been what you do. And Edie is just absolutely triumphant at this point. I thought that was the look she was going for. <laughs> Delighted, thrilled, and uh, at the humiliation that Susan that Susan feels. And backstage, to her credit, Gabby tries to apologize, but there's just not going to be an apology big enough for this, and it's not even for the right thing. Well, there's not going to be an apology big enough, especially when you are saying, well, no, I need you to take the heat for this illegal mm. activity because I'm afraid my husband will divorce me. Like... That that was just maybe the most selfish thing we've seen so far in this entire show. And that Susan says, what does it matter? You obviously don't, you know, care about Carlos. Of course I care about Carlos. Of course I love Carlos. I'm like, <laughs> oh. And it, I, oh, I, I understand that multiple things can live in the same heart at the same time. But definitely from Susan's perspective, how much could, you know, her husband have loved her and or loved their their life that this wasn't going to that this didn't figure into the equation for you right right oh um back to the back to the singles bar the nanny the nanny search um claire says that alexis is home and she can't talk but lynette offers her a 20 percent increase plus overtime um claire counters and again look listening to what Claire had said that Alexis made her bring back her underwear after, to the store after she returned them. Again, stuff I, nobody would ever, oh my goodness, I can't imagine somebody outside of a celebrity asking anybody to do anything like this, but um, she says, I don't take orders from your friends, I'm not a telephone answering service, and I don't do laundry except for the kids. She handled that like a boss. At, like, yes. I was like, yes, Claire, I love your future if this is how you're going to negotiate. And I think Lynette respected it because like that's Lynette's language but back to the 20% bump and overtime holy cow gonna have to find a place to earn that money Lynette like 
Well, and I, it, they don't give us numbers because one of the things I respect about us for Housewives is we have gotten concrete numbers. 15,000 for uh, the maid at Gabby's house, 15,000 for her necklace, um, 15,000 for, 15,000 is just their number, 15,000 yeah. for the donation to the, the private school, um, all of which I can adjust for inflation and turn yeah. into 2022 money, but I can't do this one and it would really thrill me because I know what I paid a nanny in 2000. 14, 15, 16, I would be interested to know where we were on that. Because it, it, that is really hard, is when you're in one of those industries, being able to come up with numbers to to figure out what something should be paid, right. it's really hard. Well, and who knows what the, wister- what the going rate is on Wisteria Lane for that. Well, I don't know because I don't know where Wisteria Lane is because it never snows here. Nope. Uh, but... <laughs> They're always talking about Chicago and New York. How can you be close to Chicago and New York and it, it not never snow? never gets snow, right. Oh, anyway. Okay. Um, Julie gives all of her savings to Zach. It's the most <laughs> adorable moment, I think. Uh, Julie asks where he plans to go, and she tries to get him to talk about what happened. He says it's better that she doesn't know, but she shows him the Dana blanket. Yes, and then, and then we think maybe we're going to get some story from it. But cut to... Vandy <laughs> Camp House and Bree is trying to find Andrew's stash so she goes to Danielle who definitely is the right person for that information definitely um, and she was taken aback by you know like you just meet me at the door hi Danielle where does uh, uh, where does your brother keep his marijuana it's like uh, shit yeah that's that's a little different than greeting you with an after school snack <laughs> she's done snacks for Freaking 15 years, nobody's appreciated it. Oh, just... <laughs> um, so Bree shows up in the locker room with a laminated card that says numbers of relevance, and it just touches my heart. I like that organization. Oh, and that I would know my kid's locker number. I do know somebody who texted his mom uh, for his locker combination when we were in school, <laughs> and I was like, my mom would tell you to go to hell. <laughs> I Figure your shit out. Yes, exactly, exactly. Oh, but kids um, are not memorizers. Like now, I would think that um, that would have gone even differently, even worse. I don't know. I think Andrew would have had like the laminated card on his backpack now because kids aren't memorizers anymore. So, the interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. This year, so my kids that I have. Side note, my kids that I have this year did not have lockers last year because they were either not in school or we did because oh. of um, our social distancing, our kids share lockers. So we couldn't do that. So they weren't given lockers. So my seventh graders had never opened a locker. Like they'd never used a locker before. And mm-hmm. they, so many of them are just like, nope. And they just carry all their stuff with them because they can't figure out a locker. I had kids videotaping me talking through opening their locker combinations so that they could watch the video to practice great use of technology i know i was like that is genius but i'm tired of starring in all of your videos anyway that's a good one (laughs) yeah no that's a that's a good one um brie does find the marijuana and she's planning to take it but then she decides i'll just leave it yeah yeah she feels like it could do more damage where it is Perfectly, perfectly true. Okay, and and okay. Full disclosure, I never had any pot to hide, but I wouldn't have left it at school. No, no. First of all, if you want it, then you don't have access to it except for these hours. That's 
Yeah, and you're not going to probably smoke it during the day. I hope, I mean, again, how, what is this school that we worked so hard to get our children into that has such lax policies that it would, like, that he would, yeah, be able to access it and use it at school? Yeah. Interesting. Oh, oh gosh. Um, so we do get back to Zach, um, and he does have some memories about hearing his mom and dad yelling, that they yelled Zach and they yelled Dana. Yes, and he remembers running downstairs and seeing them cleaning up blood, doesn't see her, um, just the blood, mom saying it's not his fault. And then after that, anytime he would say the name Dana, uh, Paul and Mary Alice would get really upset and tell him not to, so he stopped saying it. Like, what What a rough set of memories to hold on to as a kid. And sounds like a lot of repression because he said it didn't, it didn't occur to him. These memories didn't come back to him until after his mom died. So he thinks he's killed his baby sister Dana and her yes. par- his, the parents buried her to protect him. And he has no proof of this because they would never let him talk. You know, again, he's not going to go ask his dad. Right. Um, but, but that sounds like a great moment for a first kiss. Yes. Um, it reminds me of an episode of The Bachelor where the she was nuts, but she decided she wanted to tell The Bachelor. She wasn't getting enough time with The Bachelor, so she went to him off hours and told him about how her husband died and... Then she started to make out with him. And That's like, a classic strategy. And I was yeah. in the Bachelor Fantasy League for um, several seasons. Um, ah. We almost always won. Almost always won. I just got a thumbs up confirmation from my silent partner in the background. Um, executive producer. Yeah, executive producer, JB. One of the ways <laughs> that we that. could earn points in our Fantasy League was by the uh, Bachelorette disclosing something traumatic to the bachelor. So mm-hmm. probably when that happened, I probably earned points. That specific situation you were just talking about. Uh, that was Chris Souls' season, I believe. So if that helps you put it into perspective. Well, that's the guy the that farmer. My husband actually <gasps> met him because Shut up. I will not shut up. He is from <laughs> Iowa. He's from yes. Iowa. And my husband did the rag ride, the bike ride through Iowa, and um, one of the stops was like this, this like tarp set up on the side of the road where you could go meet crystals. So I have a picture of my husband in like his bike oh helmet and like bike shorts, arm in arm with Chris, giving a thumbs up. This was before if, he killed the person on the tractor. And I was gonna ask that actually. That was gonna be my next question. But also, um, if we get like a hundred likes on this, maybe you'll post that picture. I might. Um, so he was actually. That was after his season on Bachelorette, and he was going to be the next Bachelor. Nice. Yes. Nice. Definitely. Oh, my gosh. Definitely. That was your moment. I love fame. That was the year that you lost your wedding ring on the... uh, (gasps) Oh, gosh. Such an exciting season of the Rag Dry Ride. Holy cow. Yes. I don't know how I'm going to follow that up with Gabby showing up to John Rowland's mother's house to speak to her. I think that's a wedding in and of itself. I'm I'm going to try that. That goes along with the Bachelorette and Bachelor theme. It's fine. Like, trashy? Yes. Here, if you can see this. Oh, I can see it, but nobody else can. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Joe. We, we get the likes. It's happening. Scoot over. Some oh, stuff. yeah. Okay, we'll post it if we get yeah. 100 likes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I like it. Yeah. That's how we will hold people hostage. 
Like it, and oh. we'll give you some pictures. It looks. Oh like my I'm gosh. It looks like you might be the new bachelor, but you're not. Oh gosh, that would be the. That's how we start a rumor. Yeah. Um, Amanda. <laughs> um, so Gabby shows up at at John Rowland's mother's house. I think he lives there. Yeah, he lives there. John's house. Um, and admits that she was having an affair with John, but it's over. And she said, just says she's sorry. Like that's gonna just I'm button so it up and it's work for fun. Everything's fine. And um, mom asks how long, and Gabby shares almost a year, which means means mom does some quick math and realizes that it started when he was 16 and um gabby's like oh but it's over now and helen says oh it's not even close to being over so we know that some litigation is about to occur yeah that there will be a comeuppance for this yes gabby will get um speaking of andrew's coach wants uh yeah right uh andrew's coach wants to see him this sounds like great news yeah yeah um, but it's not about a scholarship. It's about your locker stash. Because we got mm. we got an anonymous phone call about it. Anonymous tip. Gosh, yeah. I wonder, I wonder that. who that could have come from. Bree sounded super surprised and enraged when she got the phone call. Bree, oh, I'm horrified. Yes. There must be some mistake. Must I'll be, be right down. As she's uh, pruning the flowers or spraying the flowers, like it's just, you know, it's just another Tuesday, man. Yeah, yeah. So, so we go to we cut to um the the toy chest that's been you know unearthed. Should have stayed again, like back to our first conversation. You should have left it under the cement in the pool. Actually, that was like our second. Was that episode two? I can't remember. I think so. Yeah, I think we talked about it in episode two. Should have left it buried, but um. We are asking the woodworker for a minute of his time, the detectives, and they're fo- they're following up on that toy chest, so we should get some good information there. I mean, great detective work, but, you know, uh, detectives Beckerman and Burnett, way to go uh, in tracking down Mr. Linder at this woodworking shop. I have to say, just some, like, damn hard-hitting de- uh, detectives. Yes. It's like they had a podcast or something, and they really needed to do this. Right, right. Oh. Oh. Speaking of the Youngs. At Susan's, right? Paul Young is questioning Julie about where might where might Zach be. Yep. And Susan is, you know, pressing about, did the letters talk about running away? And then she promises to tell Paul, creepy Paul, if she knows anything. She, she defends her daughter's honor and says Julie does not lie. And I'm sure, and again, Julie internalizes that, that, you know, I never lied to my mother and this is how, you know, the, this is our relationship. And, you know, it, that, again, if, if you were, I don't think Susan's doing this on purpose, but it would be me that says, my daughter would not lie to me. So that my daughter hears it and then really has to decide how, how much she wants this to weigh on her. That would be my way of getting yeah. that information out. So even yeah. if I didn't believe that she was telling the truth, that's my daughter does not lie to me. That's tactical. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Oh, mom tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Linder, uh, the woodworker, said that he sold lots of the toy chests about 10 years ago. Makes sense in our timeline, right? Mm-hmm. He says he has a list of customers' names on file. Of course that's so. really interesting to me. He, you know, seems like a guy that would have, like, some real in-depth filing happening in his woodworking shop. Okay, 
Now, I guess I'm asking too much now, Amanda, but as someone who buys a shirt from your company, you're going to keep my name on a list in case I'm accused of murder in 10 years? Well, I'm going to keep your name Purge on a list. your lists. I'm going to keep your name on a list because we're in the digital era, but back then, okay. if, I were, if I were selling shirts... Thank uh, you. I don't know that I would have had that tax in a file. What? Oh, my husband says for tax purposes. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. That seems fair. I shouldn't ask you to cover up murders I haven't committed yet. Right. Um, preemptive, mur- he, preemptive murder cover-upage. He says that, it, uh, you know, they're talking about, you know, I hope everything's okay. And he's like, no, there was an adult female body in the chest chopped up. I don't. I don't know that that's proper uh, yeah. procedure to share that active investigation information, but okay. Um, but I, like this whole time we're thinking it's baby Dana, but it it might be somebody named Dana, but not baby Dana. An adult female is yeah. what they said. Right. So like, you know, whatever, you know, the, the memories that, that um, Zach seems to be having don't coincide with this. So definitely a question there about, hmm, you know, that's weird. Some plot thickening, um, definite plot thickening happening. At Breeze, Rex is angry with Andrew that he had marijuana at school. Um, and this is the first real parenting that I've seen Rex do. I'm not mad at his anger. Um, no. But I don't know that it was like the proper level that we're looking for here. Definitely not. And again, we want... It's okay. Is it this? Is it okay that we get, uh, you know, that you get convicted for a crime and sentenced to something, but it's not the crime I wanted you to go away for. I wanted you to go away for something for this thing that you did to me, but you know, Al Capone on tax evasion, right? Like, yeah. I just get, I have to take the justice where I can get it. Um, so at least like you're off the swim team, right? So the objective is met, whether or not. Um, you know, I think it should be because vehicular manslaughter, but nonetheless, not quite yet, I guess. Um, yeah. Over at Gabby's, Brie is on uh, pins and needles thinking how, oh, sorry, get wrong about that. Yeah, sorry. Gabby. Um, Gabby there we go. Why do I have Brie on there? Weird. We were just um, so, Yeah, okay. Well, Gabby, <laughs> yeah, Gabby is like... I, you know, any minute now, Helen is going to arrive to tell Gar- to tell Carlos that she's been having an affair. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like she starts to tell him and then she chickens out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the cops roll up. And yeah. Gabby is confident she's about to get cuffed and stuffed for statutory rape. Carlos, whatever happens, know that I love you very, very much. And that, and that she's so sorry. So sorry. And the cops arrest Carlos. Who doesn't yes. look so super surprised. Nope. He knows this is coming. So, of course, it's the ass grabber who's set him up. Um, Gabby called the lawyer. And as she's reading the arrest, the arrest warrant, um, Carlos says, Tanaka set me up. I swear I'm innocent. And as we fade out, we see Carlos in his jail cell. We see Andrew openly smoking his pot in his room because whatever. I'm already in trouble. <laughs> Um, Julie hiding Zach in her room and Susan, uh, sitting with Gabby on her porch, um, comforting her. Susan is just like, that woman has a heart of gold. And Mm -hmm. even though Gabby has literally just like 
openly said she will throw her under the bus for her affair so she can save her own marriage, Susan can put that aside and hug her friend while she's crying. Like, she's just a, has a heart of gold. And it doesn't mean I agree with what you did. It doesn't mean I'm not mad at you. It's that I can have compassion for you in this situation and all of those things can ex- exist in one heart. Yes. Yes. That exploding. Right. Um, and the last words from Mary Alice that people are complicated creatures on, on one hand, able to perform great acts of charity, capable of the most underhanded forms of betrayal, and it's a constant battle that rages um, in all of us between the angels of our nature and the temptations of our inner demons, and sometimes the only way to ward off the darkness is to shine the light of compassion. It's just a really well, yeah. just a really well-fit um, uh, cinematographic like, moment yes. where where Gabby is really just broken. We yeah. have we have a good button up to the end of that episode, I thought. I agree. Um so next week we are headed to come back to me where we will see the return of Maisie Gibbons. Mm. So we don't want to miss that. No, no. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um until then I am Rachel. And I'm Amanda. And this is Noisy Fulfillment. Bye.